you can tell a story to like 25 five-year-olds and they like sit still and are engaged man high school isn't not that hard <laughs> like in comparison if you're just trying to rivet them by speaking Welcome to the 24th episode of On The Grid, a podcast dedicated to the Valley of the Sun. It's a place where you can come to meet the creatives and newsmakers taking Phoenix to the next level. My name is Philip Haldeman, and I will be your host. On this episode, we have Merlin Hepworth. He wears many hats in his artistry. He is a poet and a hip-hop artist, and he has a big hand in the creation of his music videos. Merlin's released two hip-hop mixtapes, but... He recently has upped his game and released his first full-length album on April 15th. But a big part of his work as a full-time poet comes as an educator visiting schools and sharing his poetry, his experiences as a Chicano, and as a human being with kids throughout the Valley. Merlin, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you just recently released your album, a new, uh, well, your first album um, called Remember Why, but I kind of want to like learn a little bit about you first. So, so you grew up in Idaho and New Mexico. That's right. And at what point did you come to Arizona? I came to Arizona when I was eighteen, just just out of high school, and basically, I, a friend of mine's sister lived out here, and she was like, you, "You can go to community college and get residency, and like, you know, eventually go to ASU or the U of A, right?" So I wanted to go. Since I was a kid, I wanted to go to the U of A, really, because my parents graduated from there. Okay. So we watched a lot of Wildcat basketball, and I played a lot of basketball as a kid. Gotcha. So the original plan was to, to move to Tucson, but this is where I knew people, you know? So, um, so yeah, I just stayed here and went to ASU. Okay. You're a poet, musician. At what point did you really start um, going down this kind of creative, artistic um, road? I mean, really seriously, like after I graduated high school. Can, can you like think of like what brought you to that? So, well, it was in the ninth grade. I had a teacher named Mrs. Mack who uh, she was really cool, man. Uh, and she really encouraged me to write. And um, when I was in school, you know, my my mother's Chicana, my dad's white. I was one of the only kids of color at my entire school. We went, went to a pretty one of the biggest high, one of the bigger high schools in the state. Right. Um, I graduated with like 300, 400 kids, right? I was one of, I don't know how many, a handful of kids of color, right? And so in high school, in middle school, like you got to understand that I grew up around a lot of really great people, but I grew up around in a very white space, you know? So, uh, and one that is not very close to any urban areas, right? So like- So they kind of- only knew their own town or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just like it doesn't matter if it's white folks or it's any group in a small, isolated area. Uh, they have their own prejudices, right? So um, in high school, I dealt with a lot of prejudice, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I learned about how racism exists. You know, I, I you know, two, two hours away from where I grew up was like the largest area nation compound you know what i mean it's like idaho gets a bad rap for white supremacists gotcha. you know so right right but i grew up around a lot of really good white folks and then i grew up around some kids in high school that really wanted to kick my ass now that <laughs> <laughs> but uh so you know i had a lot of things happen in high school that were you know violent or you know oh so was that your way into kind of writing yes that's like why expression i bring that or whatever? up okay. so yeah, yeah miss mac really was miss mac was important because i did write something about something racist that had happened to me and unlike maybe some other teachers that i would have had she was like that's brave or that's important or that's a real thing because sometimes when you're in a community uh, that mostly doesn't you know i mean so sometimes a, a white teacher might be like "Ooh, huh, I don't, what do i do about this i don't right. want to talk about this because race is such an uncomfortable sure. conversation so she didn't do that at all you know she, she in said fact, go for it huh yeah in fact I burned her a CD of my favorite Tupac songs and she like listened to it. And like, then she gave me people like most deaf and the roots and like all this really, all this music that was so important. Like she, she gave me a CD that like opened because all we had access to was, you know, the hip hop that was popular and mainstream, not like all these like 
poetic right you know people like talib quali or whatever you know so so she gave you permit permission to write so to speak uh, yeah but like at what point did it kind of become a little bit more serious so for me it was really when i realized that i did not want to play basketball and i wasn't good enough to play anywhere i wanted to play like i could have played at a small school but i did not want to I was done with... Because you even said um, earlier that you actually went to basketball camp at at U of A. Yeah. Lute Olsen and all that stuff too? I met Lute, man. I got got the MVP, bro. Seriously? Yeah, it was kind of nice, but... uh, But then you found that you... Because this happened to me too, because I mean, I was... I was a, I was into baseball big time. uh Really small, but I I never really grew, so I knew at some point... Yeah. I wasn't going to be a baseball player. So yeah, you, w- that, you had that kind of same thing with you? W- yeah, I was not good enough to play Division One basketball. So I w- wasn't trying to play something, some tiny school ball. Interesting, yeah. Um, so I was like, well, what am I going to do? You know, so mm-hmm. I, I was writing all these poems about whoever I thought I loved or whatever wild thing happened to me in my life or like, you know how kids are dramatic and <laughs> close to the dark side, you know, <laughs> totally, Bro- yeah. brooding and revolution, you know what I mean? Right, right. So I was writing all that stuff, but then, um, you know, I came out and I was like, well, maybe I could be a poet. I talked to my dad. I'm like, yeah, how much do poets make? He's like, not shit. <laughs> they don't make anything. <laughs> you got to teach. So mm. if you're going to be a poet, right? So, um, so it, you're in involved with music. You're obviously a musician now. Right. Um, it sounds like the poetry came first as opposed to the music. Is that Yeah, the music was a different sort of thing. Like the music was like what I was in what I when I was hearing all this music my mom played, you know, and she played a diverse group of music. She played Sly and the Family Stone and she would play Stevie Wonder and she would play Jackson Brown and then she played bunch of bunch of mariachi and she played chente and she played like all this stuff and we always had music on in the house and um so i was listening to to a very really a lot of world music too and so that was i was in love with music but i was also in love with words and language too because the first time i heard a hip-hop song it was like i love this you know so many words (laughs) so um but um yeah so they like but, how did you get up there and like were you like okay i'm gonna so stand they, from the mirror and so, do this or so, whatever yeah you know? they like, had, so i was writing all when i moved out here i didn't know anybody really you mm-hmm. know so i lived in like eight different places the first two two years oh, and i was riding the bus and while i was riding this bus going to my one class at mcc and working at a preschool i was writing poems so you kind of had some alone time it sounds like a little bit yeah it was a lot yeah. <laughs> And, That's um, when you write, though, when you're alone, obviously, you know? Yeah, you know, I mean, I was learning in the city. Yeah. You know, I was walking through the parking lots and, like, you know, I didn't have a car, you know? So, like, it's a very... Not that good if you don't have a car. In no, Arizona. but I think that's a great time to write is yeah. on the bus or whatever, you know? So they had this poetry slam on Mill Avenue outside back in the day. And um, I saw... First of all, I saw a poetry slam at mesa at this coffee house yeah because it was kind of big in mesa back yeah in the, the senza coffee house mm-hmm. bob nelson and those guys yeah um so i saw that and then they said there's another show happening on mill avenue and then i saw that show and that was like a crazy event man and so i was like oh i gotta do that i gotta try that and of course i was terrified you know i got up there did abysmal couldn't <laughs> get a word out became like you know developed this a momentary stutter like you know after that after i did so poorly i was like okay well now i'm not afraid because i <laughs> i'm gonna do better than that you know so i just got up there and then it was like just did it again just did it, it felt like the way i practiced it. it felt natural you know so and then the audience clapped and it was just and then months later only a few months later i i ended up making a national poetry team and I oh was wow in austin and competing for the national poetry slam and all this other stuff so um so it wasn't terribly like a it doesn't sound like a really long time before you kind of hit your groove a little bit yeah a year year and a half is when i start from high school to phoenix to the stage was probably like 
no more than two years, really. Wow. And so, but then once I got on the scene it, and started doing poetry, I improved really fast because I wrote a lot and because I practiced a lot. And then eventually I started getting, you know, gigs, paying gigs and features. Oh, yeah. Talk a little bit about it like that. Are you talking about kind of like the community outreach type stuff or? Yeah. So, or did that come later? So, yeah. So, I mean, um, it kind of came together. So what you do is you go down to this whatever poetry spot spot in the city that had a slam or whatever, and you compete, you do your poems, you'd share your new material, and you'd get points to compete to be on a national team right to nationally represent Tempe or nationally represent Mesa or whatever right so you go down there but you'd be hitting the mic so much you know the open mic like especially Mill Avenue you you could have crowds of you know 150 people form you know but it could be 30 people you know what I mean but over time there's a lot it's a lot of people coming in and out so I'd meet people that would be like hey come to my school or come to my classroom or and were these usually kids we're having what's that were these usually kids or teachers yeah yeah, yeah. they're usually teachers usually and sometimes teachers? teachers with their students okay you know so okay. they bring their kids to the poetry slam or something like that okay um and so i go and i i really enjoyed doing stuff in classrooms because i was a preschool teacher so like i was I mean, if you can tell a story to like <laughs> 25 five-year-olds and they like sit still and are engaged, you, you've done a good job. You can sure, do yeah. some things, man. High schoolers are not that hard. <laughs> like in comparison, if you're just trying to rivet them by speaking. So yeah. So I mean, I started getting asked to do a lot of different things and eventually just fell into a career, you know? Wow. So. That's great. That's really great. Cause yeah, like you're the 1% in a way kind of, yeah. at least in Arizona, you know? Yeah. There's not many people get paid to get to get paid to do that, you know. Your dad's eating his words right now, apparently. Right? I know it's crazy. <laughs> he was like, "Hey, man, I don't know," you know. So, I mean, yeah, that's great. That's really great. Yeah, he he was my dad's funny man. He wasn't ch- trying to discourage me. No, he was I get trying it, to yeah. be real, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's right. Yeah. Most. Oh my God! Yeah. Poetry, man. There was a time where you could make money like selling poetry books. It used, you know. Yeah, but even still, that 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 window's not ever been too big you know right people don't read poetry like they yeah yeah like yeah. that so then at what point like um at what point did you start saying hey, I, like i'm kind of interested in hip-hop like really doing hip-hop you know i mean so i always was like rapping and writing and just loving hip-hop but um there was always i didn't really understand being a fan of hip-hop i didn't really understand what hip-hop was living in Idaho, you know? And what I mean by that, I mean hip-hop culture. I don't mean Jay-Z. Like, I, I mean hip-hop as in, like, the... the like folk, a lifestyle? The folk art culture that exists, right? Because it comes from graffiti writers and b-boys and b-girls and DJs. And this... It's folk art, you know what I mean? It's community art. Uh, so... um And it's community-based. So the more that I travel through communities on stage and as a poet, you run into all these hip-hop families you know whether they're dance crews that are at this park this certain day and you're going to do a poem and then they're going to battle you know or whether i'm at a competition in philadelphia and everybody and there's 300 poets in one hotel and everybody's ciphering in the lobby you know so it's like i start i start to so you were experiencing that while you were doing your poetry yeah slams and stuff like that yeah you start to get into more of what feels like a national global hip-hop scene like a community basically. yeah you know yeah. because it it's a thing like this idea just like you know how you probably have friends that would just go jam for like hours you know yeah, just play guitar all night yeah or yeah just jam and jam yeah. you know um my generation of kids they got they smoked weed and they they freestyled in circles it's like just like there's a room to go gamble or play poker at on every dorm in the country. There's rooms where people go and they cipher, and so it's like I was getting invited to a lot of these rooms. So this was the the, the poetry slams was your gateway into into hip hop. It sounds like in more, some ways, more yeah, or less, some yeah, ways, yeah. In some ways, the understanding that about myself, right? You know, right. because when when I was a kid, it was like, well, sh- I'm not Tupac. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm. I don't live in the inner inner city. Yeah, you got to be yourself. You got to be authentic. Yeah, so it's like, but I'm not gonna go go put on airs. Like right. even Eminem grew up, you know. There's a certain idea of what hip hop was until 
especially for someone who's not from the city, you know, so. But then once you start to realize, no, it's just music, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we were talking about how country music's related to so many other genres of music, and, you know, it's not. It transcends um, social classes and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's American music is, this, it's like hip-hop is, hip-hop doesn't, as music, doesn't invent anything. It just reinvents everything. You know, in the sense that it's like, yeah, it's blues. Yeah, it's funk. Yeah, there's because you're taking pieces of records and licks and you're putting them together in what is mostly a sort of bluesy format. You know what I mean? Repetition and variation and, you know, but yeah. So now, do you think that these days it feels like everything is recycled, right? Like uh -huh. nothing. Would you say that everything is recycled that that's a good thing because you're creating new stuff or is like everything kind of already played out? I mean... I think that that is a, Cause we, cause a misperception. Because say you listen to um, Etta James or mm -hmm. um, someone in that era, say uh, Etta James and Otis Redding, mm -hmm. right? That one beat and those nor and those chord progressions are almost exactly the same True. song to song because it was a sound. You know what I mean, it's being redundant as hell, really. But it was what the bop was, you know. So like, same with rock and roll, you know it. Yeah, when you start to break down who Jimi Hendrix is and how, like, what is that? Like, you know what I mean? And I think... But that's, like, a true innovator right there. Right. That's, like... That's really rare. That's Prince. That's... Right. You know, Michael Jordan. Michael Jackson. You know what I mean? Michael Jordan. Jackson. Like, whoever. It's, like, a great one. Everything changes after him. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I think there's a difference in the eras of music, and I think it's it's easy to feel really nostalgic about what music you came up under because we all feel nostalgic about our youth. But I think the way that music affected the world or the way it was spread was just something really powerful and different in the 70s because of concerts, you know? Concerts in what sense? Well, you, I think people go to concerts now too, but I don't think it's the same sort of oh, thing. Oh, it's like more of an experience, like a Grateful Dead type thing-ish? Yeah, like, you know, um, Jim Morrison, like, I think like because of the movements of the 60s and 70s you have really huge soundtracks also mm. as well like you know like you could discover Janis Joplin because her band was really that good and the merit mattered more than who her agents were though those things probably mattered it's like Jimi Hendrix like I think the market for music and live music was just a totally different thing mm. I think now when people go to a concert they're not going to a music hall they trust they're they're going to see one specific act that they know pro mostly from the internet, and they they might like the openers or they might you know learn more about them, but they don't. I think music is consumed in a different way. You know, like, oh, absolutely. So I think that changed. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's a lot different type of artist that plays live all the time and is really working with an audience that goes into recording a studio as opposed to a studio audience artist. That right, records yeah. in the studio all the time and then then goes to perform live. Right. You know what I mean? So I just think those things are kind of crossed up differently in this era. Yeah, I'm a little hesitant to say that that there are no more great innovators or that the, that there is an uh, there is an argument out there that pretty much almost old every old person gets to one point in saying and I'm including myself old in this and like right. saying like, like, oh, like the music's not as good as it used to be or that. And right. I'm hesitant to say that because, because I don't really think it is. It just seems like it is maybe. Right. And I don't know. I, th I think it's just nostalgia. I yeah, think that, yeah. and, and things are not replaceable. You know what I mean? You can't, and things have to evolve. You know, right. I can look at the kids that are 16 and 20 years old making music right now about taking Xanax and look at their stuff and be like mm, what is this and completely judge it but if i go in there with an open mind i'm like it's not for me that music it's for 16 year olds you know so does that will there be some great innovator in that world or will it just be another thing that passes like disco no one's like come on bring that back <laughs> you know what i mean but but it's still being used and sampled and all that right stuff, exactly you know? totally totally but you know what i mean it's not revered in this nostalgic way it was Depends like why on who you, you talk to do I okay guess. i guess True, you're, you know? you're right you're right um, well i mean house happens after that so right exactly so it's, yeah. so it's like yeah i just think that it's like yeah you can't replace Jimi hendrix you can't replace 
but it added to, and it added era. to the fabric of everything that would come later, I guess. Right, and you, anything that's new or novel, you have to approach for that new and novel thing that it is. Right. You know, and if you're and if you're going there expecting something else, then your bias is going to get in the way of really understanding it. You know, exactly. Like honestly, like there's some some music I didn't like until later. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready for it, right, or whatever. You know? Right, like. Uh, like what type of stuff? Well, like I, the for the the one that for immediately comes to mind is Elliot Smith, and um, a friend of mine, a friend of mine gave me uh-huh. his XO, one of his albums, and I just couldn't get in it; too depressing. Blah, right. blah blah. But then I was living in LA, and um, I I came across it, but it came right after I got out of uh, a Brad Bake. Okay, Brad, there you Brad go. Breakup. Yeah. So it was like now now it's one of my my favorite albums in a way. Yeah. You know? So. Oh, so man. you have to be ready for some certain things, you know. My sister loves Elliot Smith. Yeah. I remember the day he died, and I was living in Hollywood. I was like, "Whoa!" And I lived in Silver Lake, which is where he the neighborhood uh-huh. okay. he lived in too. You How know? did he die? He freaking stabbed himself with the freaking like uh, not a machete, but a um like a big knife, like a big freaking like you know Spear. medieval knife, you know, sword, like a sword, Whoa. a full on sword. He stabbed himself with the sword in the heart, and I'm like, that like takes so many balls and you have to hate yourself so much like i like yo that's yeah it's heavy 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 shit you can you could tell why he was troubled you could tell he was he's always in trouble i've only i've only listened to so much of his music but i initially it's hard to get in there Mm. i think if you if if you don't have someone going no this is elliot smith like listen to these words like this is like someone's helping like sideline you to what's gonna happen to your ears if it sounds foreign to you, you're like, I don't understand it, so it's I don't like it. It's like a block it. immediately. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just like that with new, with new stuff. You Some know? of the new wave stuff back when I was younger, I didn't get into until much later, you know? Yeah, like what? Well, like Depeche Mode, New Order, that sort of stuff, you know? Okay. Good just d- stuff to dance to, but um, it's like it's like one of those things, you know? Um, you got to be ready for it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think art takes, you have to take two steps towards it. Because it takes two steps towards you, you know. So, but if you don't take any steps, then there can't really be a conversation. And usually, right. those steps that you take, those first initial steps you take, are is someone going, "Hey, this this is good. Listen to this." Recommendation. And usually, if it's someone you respect or you like, oh, yeah. or someone at least you got to see every day, you go, "Nah, I'm not really into Van Morrison." No, but listen to this album though. Just try this album. Just go listen to it tonight. You know right. what I mean? Be like, okay, I like it. Right, right. You know, like or like, okay, I, I can deal with it on this road trip. Right, right. And then like ten years later, you're like, I'm, I don't know, listen to some Van Morrison right now. You know what I mean? Like because you end up. I think most things, if 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 they're true when they're made, and you give them enough listens, we can recognize our own humanity inside of totally. them. It's whether or not we're willing to give someone a, a shot. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because totally. we we can listen to shallow music and still appreciate it. Totally, yeah, and have a good right? time or whatever. Uh, you know, it's situational yeah. too. You know, yeah, Con- exactly. yeah. The context is so big. Exactly, yeah. Well, since we're talking about music, let's talk about your album. Um, came out in April fifteenth. This is like your first kind of official album. You've released mixtapes and stuff like right. that before. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, how did it start out for you? At least I put out two mixtapes, and um, that's the thing is like my music is like not. I'll be interested when you take a listen to it. I'll be interested to see what you think if you get a chance to really. Yeah, I haven't listened. I've it. listened to stuff like on YouTube that you have. Right. Like that, yeah. 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 So is it um, a full piece? Would you say? Yeah. Oh, completely, man. I mean, it really runs into one song, runs into the next song. Like it's very well thought out. Like I'm, Placement. I'm a very meticulous person. You know, what I mean, almost to a fault. But like, it's about feeling lost in places but finding direction and then offering commentary about the world you know the world in this relationship that is in a place of slow decrepit demise you know <laughs> so it's about being in in love with somebody but also being out of touch with so it's somebody. not all dark obviously it's not yeah. all dark no yeah, there's yeah. some fun moments there's some fun moments and, some, and, and there's uh the thing about sad music that i've always found is that sadder songs or somber songs make me feel good it's interesting yeah because you when yeah. so, when adele is singing or uh, john you can Lennon's, totally relate to it john you can relate to it and you don't have to feel that way because they're holding you down emotionally they're doing that emotional labor for you mm, good point yeah. you know when you hear otis sing like even if he's 
you know what you just feel like oh i don't i i know what you feel like otis and i don't gotta feel exactly like that because like i'm getting i'm gonna get through it because you're you're fine otis we're fine i feel for you it's just like a a sense of like having camaraderie Mm, yeah you know because it it does feel like sad songs are more relatable on some level i don't know because i like i don't know like kind of like you said i kind of feel um I like sad songs maybe more than I like happy songs. I can't, uh-huh. I wouldn't be definitive on that, right. but like, like I can definitely go there on a sad song and, and right. just like emotionally be like, go to that place or uh-huh. whatever, you know, where with like happy songs, it's, it's a little different experience and I can't quite explain it, you know? Yeah. You know, I think that that's the other thing too, is like, you can also make, when you layer stuff, you can also <clears throat> make really sad lyrics sounds somewhat tongue-in-cheek and you can also change the instrumentation to make them sound make the beat sound yes. happy when really you're like and this is why my wife left me you yes. know what i mean yes. like you and yes. you're like dang or you could just go straight for one mood and keep the lyrics in that same mood you know you just uh don't worry <laughs> be happy right you yeah. know you could just keep it that way well and you've got also bands that can do like Oh my god, the lyrics are so sad and heartbreaking, but it's all upbeat and happy. The yeah. music is, you yeah. know. So, yeah. And then you actually re- listen to the lyrics, or actually really listen to the lyrics, and you're like, "Oh wow, that's some heavy, heavy stuff," you know. Yeah. So I'll go either way. Anyway, base it. So many different possibilities. You know? Yeah. So it's like so when I try to teach kids how to perform tone properly, you know, because you're an actor, you mm-hmm. know. And so, listen, when people are acting and they're doing, those are phenomenal actors. Then they're, they're chasing truth around a room. They're not acting. Hmm. They're becoming. They're believing. They're transforming. They're not pretending. It's more than that. It's a commitment. Right. Right? You know? So it's like if you're trying to reach tone, you have to, like, a sad tone in your poem, you can't just go to whatever is blanket and sad. You have to find the nuance in the context of what it is. You could be sad and afraid and paralyzed. You could be sad and and Ray, you know what I mean? There's so many contexts of how so many so many ways in which emotion is infused like a tea in honey water. You know what I mean? It's like there's so many things that come into it. So it's like music is the same way. The thing I ask myself is um, when I'm making a song, it's like, does this song create mood? And once I feel like, is that is that a, um, an important thing for you to starting off if you're working on a a, a song or a a piece or something like that is, I mean, is tone one of the first things you do or is it just different all the time? You know, when I'm making the actual music, okay. You know, sometimes it's like, and the lyrics come first. Not always. Not always. Mostly not. Okay. All right. Mostly it's the music and it's me going, Hey, whatever. Like I'm doing finding things and then I find a phrase and then I look at, then once I find a phrase, musically, like the way I'm talking or speaking, then I add plug in words to that. And then I plug in, then I look into the file of what's going on in my life. And then I look into the scene of what I see the song being, you know, then I start to discover it. So I'll make a little, I'll make the drum line or I'll take these saxophones and make this or whatever and like play it out to where I find something that I can start writing on. And then I start to write lyrics and then I'm like, oh, I need, I need a second verse or I need a bridge. So then I might add a different instrument or I might do, you know. So that process is, how common would you say that is overall in the work that you do? Music? Yeah, like, like, like what you just talked about there, is that kind of generally how you work? Or, or like, is it 75% of the way you work? Or That's the, that's the preferred way. Okay. But sometimes you're on I a mean, I, under, I understand there's many different, you know, avenues into the, into the creative process. But like, but that was one of the more common. The most common. Okay. Yeah, sometimes I'll take lyrics that I wrote on a different song and try them out on a new newer instrument a newer gotcha. beat okay. you know and so i mean and some things just die most things just die you know most things are just oh that was something right <laughs> in a minute <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that was a good eight hours of whatever oh, really? yeah yeah oh that's... man but that's the thing is like i don't look at that as a loss i look at that as like because you can go back to it right you can go back to it but it's the experience, you know, they say 10,000 hours, you know, you learn something in that True. song. You'll, rem- you'll remember what you learned. 
Yeah. Whatever you learned, you carry with you. So it's not right. like a loss. It's no, just, I get it. yeah. just not everything's meant to be a masterpiece be a, or whatever. Be a product. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. you know, this album is 15 songs and it's cut from like 50 years songs, you know. You mean stuff from your your long past or whatever? Yeah, so I mean, I've been working on these songs really concentrating on them for a year but work but choosing and selecting them and finishing them and making them from about 50 songs we're talking about three years of me writing every day every week like i write as much as i can it's the thing that i most enjoy you know i mean sometimes it's got to be a struggle sometimes you know yeah i i think it is but i think the struggle is like starting I don't think the struggle is actually writing. I think the struggle is like, all right, dude. Because nothing inspires a writer like a deadline. <laughs> you know? So, like, speaking to the journalist over here. Yeah, yeah. man. Because that will make you write it. But if it's just you and you get to choose when your album comes out, well, you might just want to make something new every night. So, how you do know, you do that in your, in your process then? Because you don't you you have to physically set a deadline, but you really have to make sure you stick to it, right? D- discipline, man. You know that's the only way, and it's and it's hard, man, because it's hard for everybody. Discipline's hard for everybody. Like that, it doesn't matter what you're trying to be disciplined about. It is difficult because mostly what you need to be the most disciplined about are the things that are hard to be disciplined about. <laughs> you know whether that's working out, whether that's calling, you know, your brother. Or what, anything, yeah. or anything that you're trying to improve. It's just, you know, it's tricky. Even though I love what I do doesn't mean that I always have discipline surrounding it. Do you, you feel know? like you've gotten better? Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. It, what's weird, too, because it's, it's like a lot of diary stuff on this record. You know, sometimes I do just overtly political songs. You know, like that song you play at Arizona, I Love You, you know. But this is a lot more like self-narrative stuff than mm-hmm. I than I typically do. But yeah, I mean, have you journaled a lot? Have you just, is that just a normal thing you do? Yeah, I mean, I journal. That's how I stay on top of my work. So I do like a work journal. So I do an entry in the morning and an entry at night. Nice. So that I can prioritize what six months is going to look like, Mm -hmm. you know, or three days. But it's, you know, I don't live in the same world as most people, you know. And what I mean by that is I live in the same world as most people, but I don't in regards to the fact that my schedule is never really the same. You know, that like I'm not working a nine to five, like the what is what is levels of consistency for most people that they have in their work, school, home life is not the way my world is, you know, so which takes its own discipline in and of itself. Right. And it's very interesting because, you know, I go to the gym and talk to my friends, you know, they're like stay after and play basketball with us and i'm like i gotta go to work and they're like you don't gotta work you don't gotta work and then it's you know they don't know right they, they no. don't get it yeah. they don't know how hard i work man. yeah so that's okay i guess yeah it's, it's your world though yeah, that's the cool mine, thing man. about it you know yeah, exactly <laughs> and i like i like the work yeah you know? exactly yeah. i would be a very weird person if if you didn't have that you mean yeah i mean because I, I take a couple week breaks you know sometimes but then other times I'm sure you're like, yeah, I take yeah, I take like a week break because I'm in Hawaii or something. <laughs> you know, I'm like, it's okay, Merlin. You don't have to write anything. It's okay. You know, you need balance. That's for sure. You know. So I speak, t- speaking of that, like your, um, what's kind of next? Are, do are you gonna tour or like what's kind of next for you? So, so, I just saw that you did a music video too. Yeah, I just finished the music video, and that will come out June first. It's called The Message, and it's very much about Arizona and loving Arizona. Shot in Phoenix, mostly on the canal. I chose the canal because I'm like, everybody knows the canal. Which part's the canal? Just curious. Uh, I lived next to the canal. I tried, you know. We're pretty close to the canal here. I tried to shoot in between Central and uh, Central High School and Brophy. I wanted to shoot. So that's like the Grand Canal, I do believe. Or is it the Arizona Canal? I always get those two mixed. But I know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. I drove they, over the canal just on the They South started Florida. paving it. So they're, they're going to beautify it. They're beautifying yeah, it. Right? They, yeah. yeah. So Parts of it, at least. But I wanted the dirt. So yeah. I had to move down a couple canals. Nice. Because so, when we were. It's it still there. Yeah. Like a big group of dancers and me with just one long moving shot, like a track shot. And we're like running because the song is really like intense. 
but I wanted like those the, shots the can dust. be tricky. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. To get I them had right, to, you know. I had to get a. Do you know um uh, Joey G? I Maybe don't know. not. Okay. Film guy. Um. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He used to do film. Okay. Um. But yeah, he we had to get his golf cart and find a place to charge it, and then like drive it at five in the morning. And, oh like, yeah. Yeah. There's so much work goes into trying to Dude, make films, yeah, trust man. Me, yeah. Trust me. So. Yeah. But what's crazy is iPhones now, man. You can do it all on your iPhones. Ooh. Totally, yeah. 4K it's beautiful. on your iPhone. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Nuts. Uh, wait, so um, I interrupt. Uh, so you did the music video, but but anything else Oh, yeah. What, what else is coming up? Yeah, so music video is the first. I have a show at Crescent Ballroom, Ballroom July 12th. Okay. And um, yeah, I leave to El Paso in a couple of days to shoot three more music videos and then Pretty busy, it sounds like. Always, man. Yeah. Then I go go to Hawaii for a songwriters conference. That do you know I, people there? Be, yeah. Okay. Cool. I do. I teach a lot of kids in Hawaii awesome. every year, so I do yeah. a lot of Oregon, Hawaii, Washington, Texas, sometimes New Mexico. Excellent. So on on the grid, I generally ask my guests a couple questions that are very Phoenix centric, and you've been. How long have you lived in Phoenix? Like the valley 13 years this point okay so how has the valley changed since you first got here a ton so much i think the thing about phoenix that is very tricky and very hard is that the identity of phoenix is still in its construction unlike say chicago people from chicago are like no chicago over everything like we invented water. You know what I mean? <laughs> like people from Chicago love their city, but they're also like, it's the worst because like it has corruption, but it's always the best. You know, there's a certain level of pride that do, that does exist in Phoenix, but not as widespread as it could because of it's, you know, because it's newer or whatever and things are in constant shift, you know? So it's just, since I've been here, I, Whenever I drive to Tempe, I'm like, I didn't. Oh my god, I didn't go to school here, dude. I, I, don't know I just what... drove university on Sunday, and yeah. I was like, the only thing was there that's there now is like the vine. It's surrounded by like okay, fancy like you know like student housing, you know, We're like seeing, yeah, nothing is there. Like yeah, man, no, it's like Rulabula, you know, like yeah, Rulabula Mill. Is that still there? It's still there, thank God. You yeah, know what I mean? But those, like seriously, Rulabula, right. yeah. Yeah, man. It's, and the it, Valley Art Theater, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just yeah, it changes a lot. But I, I like Phoenix a lot. And there's been many people who've tried to coax me to come to L.A. They, they might be right. But um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of things change. I've seen the art scene, the poetry scene is always flaring up and down. I think one of the things that's hard for the art community is that you can have a lot of... I think people compete in other cities you know for spots and things mm. but because people drive everywhere because a lot of people move out here so they can have two cars and a comfortable house in the suburbs and a dog and so they don't they can have their own space you know because a lot of folks are just from leave the, me alone right yeah. yeah a lot of people from the midwest mm. you know what i mean so um but so it's not so you got to drive somewhere to go everywhere, somewhere yeah. you know so are you saying that yeah. kind of that like lack of density, that need to get on a car kind of separates that us? That lack of density is something that makes throwing shows as an artist very difficult. You know, the reputation Phoenix gets is that every audience is a walk-up audience. You know, when you live in a dancer community like New York, even LA, you buy tickets right away. You buy right, them yeah. and then you go. Right. Whereas people set intentions to go someplace and they're like, well, I'll see the next one. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. You know, Netflix, totally. Netflix one tonight. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's really hard to get people mm. out to places because people set the intention to go and have every intention to go, but just, just decide they don't have to. In New York or Philly or somewhere like that, if you don't get that comedian's ticket once they It'll, go on sale, like you're not going to get to see that person. Yep. You know, so and those bands or those artists can come here, right. and you can totally walk up and get the ticket, which is times, nice. Yeah, but still, right? But it's but for local people, it's hard because you right. scenes don't build as quickly because people don't feel like, oh man, I got to get to this event because this is what this is what I'm going to do with my Saturday. So, but I got to make sure, oh, it's only a 300 person venue. You know, in New York, that could just be like 
40 people came in off the street and they're just like they were here so they came in and now you can't get in because they bought those last 40 tickets they don't even know anything about the band but they're like right they followed some girls over here <laughs> you know like or whatever so it's just like it's a way different environment there's a lot of challenges in it that's why the um kind of like the downtown art scene roosevelt grand avenue that's sort of that's why that worked so well mm-hmm. is because that's where all the artists live they right. didn't have to go anywhere right you know and and then you add like the, the heat 120 mm-hmm. degrees out and it makes right. it even more right difficult to come out you know right yeah but it's definitely improved for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you, it goes up, it goes down. It's, you know, the, the gentrification, whatever. It's just tricky, man. Uh, the balances of all those things. Right. But I do believe that there are a lot of really, there have been and there, and there is tons of amazing culture in Phoenix. It's just not, you can't, you can't typically come here and just immerse yourself in it without doing the legwork but there's plenty of things there is yes. you know and there always there has been for a while for so long it's just a matter of you know taking a few minutes to find it yeah or whatever, figuring it out you know? yeah yeah you know so on that note what's the um what would you like to see you kind of hinted at la but it sounds like you're going to be here for a little bit longer like and like you don't need to go to it sounds like you've got good relationships and in, in certain states and throughout the country that mm-hmm. You can make this your home base, which is cool. So what would you hope for Phoenix 5, 10, 15 years down the road? Oh, um, consistent, massive infrastructure in regards to facilitating youth culture. Hmm. School, School and schooling is one thing, but the way you change cities and you change policies and politics and you get community gardens and whatnot is that you create infrastructure for young people to express themselves in the arts and to form their own communities. Mm-hmm. So if you want a community garden, get 30 young people. What I, I started this organization called Phonetic Spit and we serve youth. I, I'm not a part of the organization anymore, but organizations like that and more many more organizations, whatever they teach, whatever they do. I just think creating spaces for young people to develop culture is going to change. It's going to be the most positive way to change. Uh, hmm. That's things, interesting. Things for the better. That's what I would say. Yeah. Um, there's this concept called placemaking, which is kind of a an urban planning type concept that kind of centers around these like community gardens, these places in within the city that will create a sense of place, so it feels like your home, and mm-hmm. and it it sets you know that the the city apart from other cities, and you know, urban parks, small urban parks, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, and they're starting to see we're starting to see more of that in in Phoenix, you know, especially when we're not terribly like building we're getting denser and i think having a denser population helps with like community the form formation of a community right you know? but you're talking about specifically the youth yeah yeah i think that's how you do it i think that's one of the ways you do it i think that's one of the most important thing i mean even if you're talking about like even if you're talking about san francisco mm-hmm. right 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 those are still or the bay area right for all their progressive thinking whatever the bay has many things to it um i love that place but it ha- certainly has its own culture right yeah. and and um but you have a, a massive amount of young people you know when i say youth culture i don't mean just people who are in high school i mean people who are you know 15 to 26 but that's how those ideas become progressive that's how well the know, youth yeah. generally are those that create culture yeah I don't want to like, but you know what I mean? But I mean, yeah. What is rock and roll? What is right. hip hop? What exactly. is, you know, what is those things come from young people, right. you know? So if you don't want, if you, if you want Phoenix to be authentic and have authentic Phoenix things, you have to put generations of young people in a position to be proud of where they're from, you know, whereas I feel like a lot of times in every generation before we demonize young people. That's the first thing we do, you know? So it's like, they must not be... And it's true. Which is funny because that's never stopped happening. You know? Yeah, like, never. It's happened across the generation. Never, yeah. Across yeah, you're like these kids. Years. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't have done that, you know? Yeah. Damn kids. Yeah, yeah. So it's <laughs> wild. But I mean, you know, kids, they, they, they're wild. You but know? The, and the interesting thing is kids, like, generally are 
um, an improvement on the previous generation, right? We hope, you know? Yeah, I think I'm an, I used to be kind of a pessimist, but I'm an <laughs> optimist. You know, in some ways, I think that this is the best time we've ever been alive. I mean, if, if you think about the realities, in some ways, you know what I mean? Not for everybody. Don't, you know, go to the reservation. I don't know that everyone would say that. But in regards to comfort and needs being met, like it's a pretty crazy time to be alive. And there is hope that with all that new technology and all the this new these new things that are happening, that therein lies the hope that the world can get better. Right? right. I think, yeah, I you know? think so too. Totally. Because as many as many stupid things as we do have been done, I feel like we have solutions. We just have not implemented them in the way that we need to. And I think there's a lot of people that want to. The ideas are there. Yeah. Kind of thing, you know? How is just exactly, you know, piece by piece, you know? So, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. No, I think that's a great way to end this. So, um, great talking to you. Thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate it. Cool. Cast no judgments for those at your own soul. And even those, you can let them go. Go ahead now. Celebrate your life. The point of being a human being is being human. The point of being a human being is being, see? Celebrate your life, 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 celebrate your life. One of the Valley's biggest annual events just ended its 2018 installment this last weekend. The Phoenix Comic Fest is done for this year. Well, you probably know it better as the Phoenix Comic Con, but to make matters more confusing, they just announced that it will now be called the Phoenix Fan Fusion. Ah, poor child grows up to only have its name changed twice in two years. But that could be a story for a future podcast. So I attended the Comic-Con, as I will call it, um, and had a booth there. And it made me think a lot about something Merlin and I talked about. Uh, we touched on the topic of recyclization of pop culture. And nowhere is that more apparent than at the Comic-Con. And while I was there, I had a conversation about how kids love the, the Indiana Jones rides at Disneyland. But a friend told me a lot of them have no clue that the ride came from the 1980s film that most of us all know, starring a man named Harrison Ford and directed by a man named Steven Spielberg. But then I was reminded that the Indiana Jones movies were spawned from the pulp magazines and matinee serials from the early uh, 20th century. And I was like, duh, everything is recycled. Everything has been done over and over again. New Wave became punk. Rock and roll came out of the blues. But it's kind of nice to know that something fresh can come from something that has been recycled before. I don't know. I kind of took solace in that. To know that fresh ideas can come and will continue to come from that which has already been done before. Thanks for listening to our 24th episode of On The Grid. If you'd like to reach us, we can be found at onthegridphx.com or email us at onthegridphx at gmail.com. On The Grid is produced by Chris Ayers. Intro music was performed by local band Factories. They can be reached at factoriesmusic.com. And be sure to catch Merlin Hepworth at the Crescent Ballroom on July 12th. And watch out for his new video, which comes out June 1st. It's called The Message, and that is what will play us out today. One of the things I really like about Merlin is that Arizona and the Valley are very much laced throughout his work. And he told me the new video, the song that you're listening to, was largely shot on the city's canal system. So when you photograph things, they become myths. And capturing the character of the city is what makes it more memorable and possibly even mythological. So thanks to Merlin for doing that. And thanks to everyone else for listening to our 24th episode of On The Grid. Yeah, this, this, this is unkillable spiritualism. It's lyrically visceral more than a physical ushering, mystical, rhythmically critical. This is my ascent. Yeah, this is more metaphorically medical measuring. Metamorphous generally made me a physicist clinically spitting shit. This is my ascent. Yeah, people be starving. We younger than Compton. This swami be stomping and blushing. We mopping. We really a problem. Fuck all y'all be talking. Cause this is our ascent. Yeah, this is the tested, the proven, the method, the brilliance, the vengeance, the groove, and the message, the shattering seconds. This Staggering presence, and this is our ascent. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
neglects, they disrespect what we protect. This we will rap. South, side, south, west, dark, south, park, bench, west, side, south, west, west, life, south, east, east, side, north, night, north, sky, sky, life, park, park, drive, drive, park, park, drive, drive. They battle the hunger, the thunder that hovers The snakes are wrapped under a hundred degrees So hot you freeze from the sun we sitting under ya This land was stolen by misters Who twiddled their whiskers, got richer and richer Their subjects exploited, I living in blisters And everyone whispers Yeah, yeah Yeah, 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 yeah Yeah, 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 yeah Razor blade, 12 gauge, cops, keys, red state, red hate, lots of D's, Scott still sleeves, war, paint, West Gate, party scream from balconies, assault rates, date, rape, writers paint, many scenes, landscape, landscape, land of many fiends, hearts break, hearts break, land of many dreams, dreams break, dreams break, land of many thieves, land of many thieves, land of many When the sky clear up and you know all you got is your little ones. When the heat set in and all you got to give is a grip of love. When the rent check and the hustle be your whole life, but it's never enough. But you got gold and your grandmother smile. Meanwhile, take it from us. East Coast, West Coast, California, down south with a homie. We been down and out here growing, freaking, speaking. Roots been here for thousands of years, drinking beneath the dust. We got fam and blood. You got it fucked up. If you think you're better than us, cause we salt to the earth, kid. We salt to the earth. We salt to the earth, kid. We salt to the earth. We don't give a shit if you don't get it, better jump up in it, cause this is how it works. This is unkillable, spiritual wisdom is lyrically visceral, more than the physical, ushering mystical, rhythmically critical, this is my ascent, yeah. People be starving, we younger than Compton, this war may be stomping, the bashi we mobbing, we really a problem, fuck all your be talking, cause this is our ascent, yeah. This is unkillable, yeah. This is unkillable, spiritual, yeah. This is unkillable, spiritual wisdom is lyrically, yeah. Lyrically, yeah. This is unkillable, yeah. This is unkillable spiritual, yeah. This is unkillable spiritual wisdom and lyrically, yeah. Lyrically, yeah.